0: Hi, it's uh, iBookbinders podcast. Today we have a guest uh, from uh, Mexico, Lucia Farias. Uh, hi. Hi,
1: everyone.
0: And as usual, my co-host Pavel joins us from Moscow. Hi, Pavel. Hi, guys. So um, would you tell us just a bit about yourself, about how uh, you became a bookbinder? And, uh, uh, well, yeah, that's it. that's it for now, I guess.
1: First of all, thanks for inviting me. This is such an honor to be in this um, in this recording today. I'm Lucia Farias. I've been a bookbinder for, I guess, like 14 years. I started, I have this really cool story of how I started it. And I always say that bookbinding found me because it was definitely something that I was not looking for. Mm-hmm. It was just how life came about and I ended up here after a number of years so back in the day when i was in college one of my teachers um, was kind of out of the of school like she was going to be out of town so she had a substitute teacher and we made a book with with him Uh, it was just an easy japanese stab binding and that day i came home and i started putting books apart of course, they are just commercial books that I was destroying per se. Yeah. Uh, they were a little bit different than what we learned in the class, but that was around October in 98. And then I had the chance to go to Minnesota as an exchange student while I was a student at the, at the university here in Monterrey. I went to University of Monterrey. Mm-hmm. Um, so the extracurricular activities we had and we were able to take for free. They were book uh, book classes at the Minnesota Center for the Book. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, oh, I've made a book before. Maybe I can learn a couple more different ways of making a book or something. So I, of course, signed up for all the free classes that I was allowed to. and. That was it. Like I just took like three workshops while I was there for one semester and then I came back and I kept making books all by myself. I had no idea there was such a profession to call it A a certain way of bookbinding. Like I always thought it was like, you know, just just a hobby or like just an entertainment for people that don't have anything to do with every time. So I after a number of years that I was teaching this, you know, I, I started teaching at the university, too, before graduating. And I was teaching this one-hour class a week, and I was showing people how to make the books that I had learned in that those classes at the Minnesota Center for the Book.
0: But, but, and, your, but your degree in, in the university wasn't connected to books in
1: any way, or, or was well, it there's nothing like this in Mexico, not in college. I mean, you can take bookbinding classes. Uh, Later on, I found some people in Mexico city that I'll mention them later, but uh, yeah, you don't, there's no bookbinding classes here in the, in the universities. Like it's, it's not common to find it. At at least here in Monterrey, I used Mm -hmm. to teach at the university, but not anymore. But back when I was a student, there was, I mean, no option to, to even take a, a class in bookmaking. Mm-hmm. So and then my sister ended up in Philadelphia for a number of reasons, and she got this brochure from the University of the Arts. And uh, that's it, they have a really big bookbinding program. Mm-hmm. So I signed up to several bookbinding classes there and the printmaking class. No, a printmaking class first and a glass blowing class. So it I still had no connection with bookbinding in the University of the Arts. But when I was while I was there, the printmaking teacher was actually a student in the in the MFA program at the at UARts. So she in one of our breaks in one of the classes in a summer that I spent in Philly. Um, she took us to the bindery and to the studios and the letterpress studio. And I was like, what do I have to do to be a student here? Like it was nothing that I was looking for. I knew I needed a master's degree to teach at the university here, but I would, mm-hmm. I would have done like printmaking or even painting or drawing. Because I went my degree is fine art. Mm-hmm. Uh, but well, this, that, def-
0: this definitely may help with, uh, with bookbinding stuff.
1: <laughs> well, it, it does help. But I mean, there's a lot of graphic designers that end up being bookbinders. But I don't know. I, I started with printmaking, and that's how I got into the bookbinding. Because when I applied to the school, um, since it's a printmaking program as well, um, I was more geared towards the printing part back then but then i just i don't even care about the content anymore i just want to make books and i don't care if it's a blank journal uh if it's something really important inside the book i just want to make a beautiful book and i don't i don't really care for our for the content anymore sometimes i make books with content but it's not uh i mean this happened in the 12 or 14 years that i've been doing this it's not from one day to another that I said, I don't care for content. But so when I was in school, I had to involve content in in my books, but then I just decided that making the actual book is what I am really interested. So now I, after graduating from UArts, I came back, I started the studio, I'll show you around in a little bit. And now I've, I, for, I think, four or five years ago, I went to take my first class at American Academy of Bookbinding. Mm-hmm. And they have an awesome program, because you don't have to actually move to Telluride, you, right. you can just take the classes as you can, as you can, like, yeah, um, at, at your own your pace. Yeah, your time and budget allows. So right. it, it's been perfect for me, I, I haven't taken a bunch of classes yet. but. I don't care if I graduate when, I, when I'm when i 90, I'm just going to take classes because just going there and being there for a week or two, it's heaven on earth. That place is very unique and having the school right at the end of town with that view, it's to die for. I mean, you've been there, so you know.
0: Where yeah, I'm. yeah. I definitely want to return there.
1: What, what class did you take there? What classes have you taken there?
0: I, I took two classes. Uh, the first one was uh, with uh, uh, Peter Gerrity uh, on box making, and the second one was uh, with Don Glaister on fine binding.
1: That's the one I took. I haven't taken, uh, I took Peter's gold, uh, the gold standard class. Yeah. And, uh, and I've taken several classes with, uh, with Don. Yeah. And, and the Julia Miller class. The, yeah. That was a really cool, cool yeah. class.
0: Yeah, P- Peter and Don are, are absolutely different uh, people and absolutely different teachers, but both were uh, amazing, and uh, it it was. Uh, I, I had some experience before uh, I I came to American Academy of Bookbinding. I I already was teaching, and uh, uh, the fact that I was teaching was the reason I wanted to go to study because I wanted to be more sure that. Uh, I know mm-hmm. the things I'm teaching, <laughs> uh, but but still, even in the processes I knew of, uh, and I, I uh, already uh, knew how to do, and um, I, I learned something new from these teachers. So this is this yeah, was very interesting. Yeah, and last year when when we were scheduled to move to the United States uh, last April. Uh, I also uh, paid for some classes, and I, 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 it was a, a, a bit of a switch because there should have been a class uh, with uh, of uh, uh, about box making with uh, Don Glaser, and the class uh, on leather binding with uh, Peter Garrett. So I, 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 I uh, opted in for both of these classes, and then everything, you know, went as it went.
1: <laughs> I had I had signed up to the. A design binding class. Yeah. And it was um, Suzanne Moore teaching the class with Don. Mm-hmm. It's, he, she's Don's wife. So they were doing a one week class, and then I was doing the advanced um, book binding class. Mm-hmm. So I was gonna be there for two weeks last September. And yeah. We'll have to wait.
0: Yeah. Yeah. maybe, Maybe next year.
1: Yes. I hope so. Maybe later wanted, on this year, who knows?
0: Yeah,
2: I wanted to ask you about printing. You're still making prints, right? Uh, are those yours
1: behind you? No, these are just, well, some of them are my prints and some of them are just um, postcards and just stuff that I collect from friends and, but no, not all of them. It's just the photogram from way up there, that's mine. Uh, all of them are just presents or letters and postcards and stuff. i I haven't done any printmaking in like six years.
0: so one one of the reasons we were quite happy to see you as one of our uh, future uh, guests and speakers was that uh, you have this uh, pretty wide range of uh, uh, book objects you work with from uh, uh, you know pretty, uh, uh, I, I wouldn't say simple, but straightforward uh, commercial uh, projects uh, to design binding to historical reconstruction to some experimental things. So it's it's a pretty rare uh, thing to to see a bookbinder who would do such a wide range of uh, things. <laughs> so how does it work for you?
1: Well, I think the commercial part is mainly to get some income. <laughs> yeah. still have to take those projects I mean I we do have to make some money and pay the bills so I still do some commercial projects and I don't mind it because it's still I still need to cover them I still need to gold stamp them or a silver stamp or whatever and uh, the fun part is when those even though sometimes those commercial projects are ongoing clients like they keep coming back with the same like I bind the same the same style with the box for this particular client. When they first come here, I I design the project for them. So you know, I put a little bit of my, I mean there's a little bit of my input in those projects. It's not just just some projects that uh, they tell me and I just do the the manufacturing. Look, I I am actually involved in the in the design. So some of the projects are very straightforward, commercial projects, I just binding uh, projects with cheap materials. And uh, some others are more fun. Like I, sometimes I get, I mean, the ideal would be for me to just design the cover for whatever content of the book is. But sometimes they have no idea of how to even put the book together. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I am involved in the, in the process of, of designing and, um, and getting the, the project to, to the end. Uh, I also, you mentioned some historical models that I've made. I've been taking, this is one of the persons that I've met long time ago and he's very special to me. He's Rodrigo Ortega. I don't know if you know him from um, on Facebook. He's all on Facebook and he's really interested in, um, in historical bindings. I mean, he does a lot of everything, you know but he's really good at teaching those models. Um, and since I would like to do some book repair, I mean, I do basic repairs, but it's really interesting to, for me to learn how these structures were actually made back in the day. I mean, I would be fortunate enough if one of those books ever comes to the studio so that I have to repair it. Um, but just knowing how the books were made is really helpful for when you need to, to do any, any kind of repair. So I know a lot of people that just went to, to school for book restoration or book conservation. But for me, putting hands on any of those old books, you need to know how those books were made first. That's, that's how, I, how I think. Like if, if I'm putting a book apart, I at least I need to know how it was made before I'm putting it apart so that I can yeah. put it back together when I'm yeah. done. So uh, yeah, I've done some really uh, interesting bindings from the 15th century uh, with him. Um, yeah, mainly those in Islamic and Islamic binding and some springback bindings. I've taken a bunch of workshops from him, and he's really good. And that's why I have that, you know, that niche because I i'm really interested in i mean and just for the fun of taking workshops meeting people you know i think it does it's never enough you know so just going to mexico city and staying there for a week having this intensive uh workshop and um and just for the sake of knowing how you know how to how those books were made i i have a, a small collection of those books and looking forward to to many more but it's not something that i would eventually teach like I don't I don't feel like teaching that but you never know. Um, But that's how I that's how I ended up with that little um, section on my website with with the historical bindings.
2: We would really want to talk to you. In fact, uh, it's been years since we started being obsessed about one of the topics that you cover in one of your projects and uh, Speaking of uh, knowing how to make a book in case one of them uh, comes to you for repair, uh, at least one project certainly didn't come from that desire because there's absolutely no chance you get to repair a real girdle book. I mean, there is like seven of them all over the world <laughs> in libraries. So uh, uh, we've, uh, we would really like to talk to you about why you made it how, how, how those books were used? Because you only see them in, in paintings and in sculptures and uh, uh, just the practicalities of it. What's, you, what's it like?
1: Do you want me to show you the one I made? The, yeah, guys, absolutely. That, <laughs> on one so this is uh, this is what I made.
0: Oh
1: and uh, of course I made this with my friend Rodrigo um, yeah it's really cool check out we,
0: we, we should we should post a link to his uh, I don't know website or Facebook uh, under the video
1: yes um, so you have the book covers um, these are wood covers Wooden. yeah yeah they're laced in covers. Um,
2: and, uh, yeah. Uh, I uh, I compared it to the original and it's, uh, very close, of course, not to what it looks like. There's, uh, looks there's now. different
1: models. I think this is the one in the Morgan library. I'm not sure I have to double check, uh, but there's several models. And I think this is the, the one at the Morgan library.
2: Have you actually tried wearing it because that's one of the questions that I always have in my mind how so, practical is it to have that thing with you?
1: I think it this is supposed to be longer. I haven't seen the 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 original in person uh, but I do think that the this like top part here with the leather is longer because this was supposed to be worn on the like on the belt so this would hold on. So the belt would go around here and you would have this uh, hole like this would avoid the book from actually falling. Mm So this was hanging and this is how you hold it. So this is on your waist and you hold it like this. So the front of the book actually would be like this.
2: Mm -hmm. Oh, so so you so you don't detach it.
1: No, no, no. That was the purpose like to keep keep it on your on your waist and just kind of lift it. So when you go ahead and lift it, this is the this, this is how you open the book this way and like that.
2: And uh, do you think it would be comfortable to go around having this uh, hanging on I don't
1: with? I don't think it's comfortable at all but uh, and especially because it's not I mean it's kind of, it's not that heavy but it's not that light it, so i mean having this and they're probably walking or on a horse or something like who knows Yeah. But animals, those are like week-long workshops and i used to i i was living in san diego for a little bit for about a year and i met a, a bunch of people that are that were interested in making uh historical bindings so I started taking groups of people to Rodrigo so um I had a group of like six or seven people that wanted to make you know those books so I I think we've done two or three trips already three I think Mm -hmm. Uh, and uh yeah so this was we we actually had Rodrigo go to Oaxaca and the workshop was in Oaxaca, so it, it was really fun because we did a little bit of traveling for like three three days, and then we had the five five day workshop.
0: This is something that I definitely would like to, to try someday. Uh, uh, but yeah, th- th- there are not so many uh, workshops, and uh, uh, if if uh, if Rodrigo uh, teaches in Spanish, that uh, definitely. Uh, a problem
1: for me. <laughs> I, know. I, I know Rodrigo is not doing online workshops for now, uh, yeah. but you know who is t- teaching? The I think it's the other model. I I think she actually. I makes think
0: Karen Karen, Karen had the. Uh, yeah, Karen is yeah. teaching them. Yeah, yeah. So yeah.
1: I am not sure if they're leather. I think there's a uh, velvet.
0: Velum, well, yeah. velvet or velvet? No, velvet. velvet. Yeah. okay. I yeah.
1: think I'm not sure. But yeah, she she's doing a lot of online workshops, so you can definitely find uh, a date for you yeah. to take this workshop.
2: Yeah, and, yeah, sure. and actually, or, or you and can I...
1: come to Mexico, and we can go to Rodrigo, and I'll make yeah. another one. I don't care. I I love going there. He knows that.
2: Yeah, uh, and and actually, uh, more and more of these books uh, have been appearing around. I've been seeing them on reconstructors. Uh, uh uh, uh, pe- uh people who uh uh, uh uh reenactors is the word i'm looking for yeah medieval reenactors and it it, lo- it looks really impressive i mean <laughs> it is quite a quite a statement object too i think it was part of uh, part of its function
1: yeah it's i mean and you're right you can, you mainly see this in um in paintings um so I, one time I traveled to Europe and that was my goal. I regret so much that I didn't take pictures, but every time I went to a museum, I, I always focus on something when I go to the museum. Like I am either looking for my favorite paintings or I, I, I go with a mission every time I go to a museum. Cause if not, it gets boring. You're just seeing like paintings and paintings and more and more and more and icons and all this like stuff from back in the day. So. I go with a mission every time I travel. So my mission for that trip was to see how many paintings I found with uh, with a girdle book, and I think I found at least twelve.
2: Uh, this is exactly it's how fun. I first uh, first found out about them. I uh-huh. noticed one uh, in Belgium, I think, in uh, in Ghent, you know, mm-hmm. in one of uh, Van Eyck's uh, uh, paintings, and I was. Like, wow. what's that supposed <laughs> to be? <laughs> yeah. And now, and now I see them everywhere too. So yeah, you're right.
0: Yeah, we, we discussed uh, this topic of uh, girl books uh, with Pavel for several years at least and plan to Write something about it, or or, or or do some, do at least something. And now, now it's our lucky chance to <laughs> finally. I'm
1: look up for my notes, and I'll tell you exactly what model this uh, this one is and where it is. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, and if I find any info or run into some kind of um, something that I can think you can include in your uh, in your essay or whatever you're going to write. Yeah, I'll share it. Definitely. Yeah.
2: Thanks. Thank you. Uh, I, I'd also like to ask about, uh, another side of your job because I, uh, saw a whole section of your uh, website devoted to, um, book miniatures. Uh-huh. Uh, uh and, uh, I'm always in, intrigued by, by those objects. Because, uh, for one thing, uh, they are clearly not practical. (laughs) (laughs) You don't don't make a miniature book to read it, unless you have miniature glasses, I don't know. Uh,
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, you've seen, you've seen the miniature ones. They also, they always come with this, um, with this magnifying
0: magnifying glass, yeah,
1: so that you can actually read them. I don't even know how they, they put text so small in those books. I've made some miniatures and uh, and they're, they're just blank pages. Again, I'm just interested in the challenge of making a small book. I don't really care for content. Uh, if I ever find a, a printer that uh, prints miniature uh, text blocks, I would definitely love to buy one and bind it. But I'll show you the, my two favorite ones. I think you saw those on the website. This was made a while ago, uh, and it was I was I was learning how to do the uh, how to in the covers. Yeah. Uh, so this is not. I mean, it's miniature, but it's not that small. And then I made. Um, I took. Do you know Dan Essig? I took his. Um, mm. his, his you've seen his work. Um, he teaches the uh these bo- boards, like he decorates and, and this mm-hmm. boards he teaches a lot of mica. Mm-hmm. And uh, and it's like this Ethiopian binding. Mm-hmm. Uh so I took this workshop and I was obsessed, and that's how I get with every book I learn. I mean, not with the historical models with the books that don't take that much time. And I usually make them several times. So this is the one I made in the workshop. Um, it has wooden boards, and it's more like a, a Coptic stitch with... Uh... So the wooden boards are, again, laced, and you have the chain stitch here. And you have the
0: end bands in place, because uh, it's... Uh, usually people, at least hobbyists, uh, bookbinders, make uh, Coptic stitch bindings. They uh, do not do the end bands and I, I'm always like...
1: It's, it I, gives... love, I love this headband. Yeah, exactly. I them. It, so, it makes
0: the book so perfect and so different because uh, well yeah
1: I know and I love wood. I I love sanding it and poli- polishing wood and like doing all the woodwork. So um I I've made a couple of wooden board bindings and then I got this really cool um this is um curly maple. Yeah. I don't know if you can see the Yeah,
0: it 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 really looks interesting.
1: This one's definitely my favorite. It's <laughs> um it's called um, black palm. Yeah. Uh, and it's just a tiny tiny. Yeah it's
0: tiny. it's a wonderful <laughs> texture and and and, and yeah. the stitching stitching sort of follows the texture and that's yeah uh-huh that's interesting
1: and that's the spine
0: yeah, yeah
1: it's really cool. and this is the the smallest book i've ever made and i think that's the one you saw on the website
2: yeah yeah yeah
1: <laughs> so i was just challenging myself like i'm forcing myself to make a book this has like a head a hand sewn headband and like marbled and papers
2: um, uh, did you yeah. have to uh, reinvent any of the processes or to uh, use some tools that you wouldn't use otherwise? How is binding miniatures uh, different to normal binding? Um,
1: I guess you just have to have finer tools and like this is covered with leather so it's split. It's not I can't use leather as as you get it from the yeah. from the techniques you, you have to you have, you have to have it really, really, really thin. Otherwise the turn ins will will be very bulky and you don't want that. So yeah. uh, if it's leather. That's the only thing you have to uh, consider. Um, and for covering I, I still use my um, my Teflon folder and it works fine. I mean, I don't think I you need any like special tools. I mean, they're, they're smaller, but not I mean, I guess you can use your. And
2: uh, do you use a specialized uh, sewing frame, or do you just improvise?
1: I actually never sew on a sewing frame. I'm not used to it. It's kind of like too much for me to deal with the whole frame. Um, even even the books that I sew on on cords or tapes, I don't ever use a sewing frame. I er, on every signature, I. Um, I go back and, and press it with my bone folder or my Teflon folder, and I don't see any difference <laughs> so far. So yeah, I don't I don't ever sew on a sewing frame.
2: Oh, um, uh, was it how you were taught, or is it just your preference?
1: No, we didn't even had a sewing frame when I went to school in Philly, and uh, and no, I've never, not not even when I'm sewing um a series of books that i know people have the the tapes or yeah. cords, and they just separate a little bit and then chop it off i don't yeah. i don't even have one <laughs> i don't need it
0: <laughs> it is definitely not a mandatory uh tool because you can you can do it with it you can do it without it uh... And uh, it's it's, it's uh, absolutely a matter of uh, personal preference. Uh, however, uh, a sewing frame was one of the first tool, uh, tools uh, I made for myself. <laughs>
1: so, <Really? laughs> yeah. so the first <clears throat> tool that I actually spent money on was a Japanese hole punch. Mm. When I was in school, I used it for the first time when I when I started the program at UArts the first time I saw that thing, like, I need one, like, it was, I mean, I've had the bone folders and,
0: yeah.
1: and, you know, common tools like your ruler and whatnot. But when I saw that tool, I'm like, I need that. It was just amazing. Like just how it works. It's the, it's the best thing. I love it. It's one of my favorite things in the studio. It's a great invention.
0: I, I had a similar experience with. Uh, uh, so, there is this uh, Dutch uh, company uh, that is called Loet, uh, which produces, uh, in the first, they started producing uh, uh, tools for weaving, like uh, weaving wheels and other things. Uh, but at some moment, they start making uh, tools for bookbinders. And uh, when I was studying at the American Academy of Bookbinding, I saw their vertical plow which allows you to cut the front edge and, and side edges uh, really nice and easy and then and really, really straight. And, and I was like, oh, I want this tool. And uh, uh, I'm not sure who's, whose class I was in, but the teacher told me like, well, you can want it, but it's, it's not a cheap tool because it costs something like uh, five or 600 euros. And, uh, and I decided, well, okay, someday in the future and last year or or a bit earlier i had a chance to buy a second hand one for 100 euro or something like that
1: oh, that's yeah. such a
0: <laughs> so now i have it <laughs> and it's yeah, amazing
1: awesome. i don't have a plow i have a guillotine. <clears throat> and i have um, i have managed to learn some tricks to actually cut the 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 sides uh, like Mm -hmm. forage the top and bottom and forage of the of my books but I know it's not the best I I'll, I'll eventually get a plow yeah. But, yeah, I'm jealous you have one.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So uh, you are sort of opening uh, the new world to to us because uh, until now, we uh, mostly had uh, bookbinders and uh, other book professionals, uh, either from Europe or from the United States. And uh, you are... uh, first book binder from from uh, from a different north american country and from a different american country <laughs> and uh, we wanted to ask you a bit about uh, maybe the traditions of mexican binding if there are any and uh, how how what is the mexican bookbinding world because we have absolutely no knowledge uh, about it
1: well here in in monterrey that's where i live there's not a lot of people that do what I, the kind of binding that I do. I mean, you can mm-hmm. still like, you can bind uh, with black covers and gold stamping. You can find that uh, like several people that are still doing that. But mm-hmm. I don't know anyone that has actually even gone, gone to school. I have no idea where those, how those people started, but I think that it was just like a family business and, mm-hmm. uh, that's a that's a very good question, actually, and I'm friends with a couple of them. So I have to I have to ask them, like, how do they how did they started their business? Because I just know them from the business, but I have no idea how they started mm-hmm. uh, so here. Th- I I know that um, there's, you know, some businesses like that, but n- no one doing what I, the, the stuff that I like, the kind of bindings that I do. Um, I I have a lot of friends in Mexico City that are bookbinders, and there's a huge community in Mexico City. I'm all by myself here in Monterrey, but I go. I used to travel often to, to take workshops or just to to go to Rodrigo's studio and work there for a bit. Especially when I had some um, like book repair to do, when um, I like to be near him when I was when I'm working when it's something more than I think I can achieve. Um, So but there's a huge community over there. um, Very different than what I have here, of course. So you can still find the commercial binderies in Mexico City. But there's all these people doing making tools doing bookbinding, new techniques, uh, teaching a bunch of classes. So it's it's a little bit different, but uh, definitely Better I would say because there's a lot of people doing it and more access to materials, most of the stuff that I use here even cloth like I have to I used to order it from from Mexico City or even from the US. Uh, one of my students started a, a a little shop so and I'm so fortunate to have it really close to here and she's been selling paper and book cloth uh, but before she got the, the store I had to order everything from. Uh, either Mexico City or the States. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can't even find linen thread here. Okay. So uh, I
0: to order. Yeah, that, that's, that's very interesting uh, question uh, on the supplies because uh, for example, uh, here in Europe, uh, uh, many of book binders in, in many European countries, besides maybe France and Germany, relied upon uh, ordering uh, materials from United Kingdom. So now after Brexit, uh, it's it's a lot of trouble uh, for them to get the materials because uh, now it, it takes longer. You have to pay more uh, uh, custom taxes and all that stuff, and uh, so that's 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 all very upsetting. Uh, and of course, uh, uh, everybody can guess that in the United States you have uh, uh, much more supplies of everything. Uh, uh, as well, it, it, it works as well for bookbinding um, tools and uh, materials. Uh, so it's, it's really interesting to hear how, how it works in, in Mexico.
1: Yeah, there's uh, actually a friend of mine uh, making really, really awesome tools. And I'll give you all the contact info in case you want to share it, or if you can um, include it in the, in yeah, the sure. presentation. Um, she's really good. She does a lot of um, clasps and uh, Teflon folders, very extended collection of tef- Teflon folders. Really good. I, I, when I'm teaching workshops, I order stuff from her for the students. Like to when I'm making the kits for the students. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, she's she's really good. I can I'm show sure. you stuff sure. that she's made for me. This is the last set of clasps she made for this book Uh, Mm um these are brass um yeah they're they're really cool
2: yeah
1: there's another headband
2: yeah (laughs) we love those i
1: I love headbands i love headbands this is one of the classes that i took again with my friend um yeah there's a there's a bunch of uh headbands in the in the class it was fun
2: And speaking of materials, uh, uh, I understand bookbinding, as did the books, uh, came from uh, from Europe to Mexico, so uh, the tradition is not as old as it is in Europe, but uh, does it have any uh, local flair? Uh, Do you use any materials that wouldn't be used uh, outside, like, I don't know, alpaca leather? I'm just (laughs) making it up.
1: Well... Uh, no, I, I have uh, le- leather um, sheep, sheep and uh, goat, no, that's yeah. one to, to find, um, it's, we have good quality leather actually, um, and, uh, but again, I, the prices here in Monterrey are very, very expensive, so sometimes I even have to order them. From Mexico City, and even with the shipping, it's cheaper than what I find here. Uh, sometimes if it's a really, really, really special pro- project, I order directly from England. Their leather is amazing. The quality is just perfect for, for, for especially for bookbinding. Leather here is mainly used for for leather goods, like shoes, bags, clothing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So it's, it's tanned differently. Sometimes it can be really stretchy Uh, But I think that now, as the bookbinding community is uh, a bit larger, we can find better tanned leather for bookbinding, like, like that is not that stretchy. So there's this place where I get it from in Mexico and and so far it's been, it's been, you know, good quality.
2: And uh, how is your community organized? Is there a guild? Is, Is there a society? Are there exhibitions?
1: they yeah they get i think for the a couple of years they've had some group exhibits uh, they get together a lot to to have the um, uh, just to s- sell stuff like they they have this little bookbinding uh, markets and they sell the tools and materials sometimes the calligraphy people join those so you can find calligraphy stuff in there uh some people sell their own books or uh so that I think they're allowed to sell books materials uh and tools Uh so like a little book fair but they they have them often so uh you can go and find stuff um, in those places too too bad and, they're very far and
2: from it. Uh, d- uh, do, uh, do they mostly work for a lo- uh, for home market or do they sell internationally? Because, say, in Russia or in the Balkans, we uh, uh, talk to people from Greece and Bulgaria, uh, people mostly uh, work for international clients because there are just not enough uh, uh, orders for fine book binding. I,
1: I think there's plenty of... of- uh, local, uh, clients. I'm not sure with all my friends, if they ever have international projects coming in, but here I, I don't, I've, I've done, um, stuff for some friends in San Diego, but only because they don't know any other bookbinder in the States and they random, we randomly met for whatever reason when I was living there. And I, cause I mean, they're, they're, that's why they contacted me for the services and not someone in, in San Diego, not because there's no one there, but because they don't know anyone there. Uh, but I, it's not for me, it's not very common to get projects uh, coming in internationally. It's more like the small book repairs that I, that I've done there for, for clients here in Monterrey.
0: How, how was it uh, during the lockdowns and this uh, coronavirus year for you?
1: Um, uh, I'm loving it. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. (laughs) I'm a a little weird, but uh, yeah, I'm loving it. I've been working on all of the things that I've ever said, that I've always said that whenever I have time, I'm going to finish this book. Whenever I have time, I'm going to finish this basket. Whenever I have time, I'm going to start an herb garden. And. yeah so all those things have been going on here i've been finishing some projects i've signed up for online workshops i am actually taking a really cool workshop on fish leather tanning i don't know if you heard about that i've Um,
2: seen a photo in your instagram and it's it's, a bit frightening i I know
1: but it's so cool so that those two skins are the first ones i've i've ever tanned uh one of them, I was soften, softening it yesterday. Um, so you just add a little bit more water. And uh, I don't know where I left them. They're not here in the studio. Uh, but um, yeah, so if you, don't, if you don't soften the leather that much, it stays like the ones you saw in the picture. But I'll, I'll post another picture of the one with, without softening and the one that's softened. Uh, it does look a little bit different, and it's really cool because you don't use any chemicals. It's just pure. Um, we use black tea for it, for that, and uh-huh. it's pretty cool. I have a set. Those are white bass, um, the two of them. Uh, I actually have a salmon waiting on me to to do the next part. And uh, we'll see how that goes. But yeah, it's really cool. And I can't wait to see how I'm gonna use it in my books.
2: <laughs> oh, so you, uh, so you haven't tried it yet?
1: No, I haven't. I just did it like two, uh, the, the last class. So it's a two session class. And the second session was in, on the 13th. Uh, so I'm still working on the ones I started in class, but then I started a couple extras later. So they're still in the T. Uh, solution and uh, hopefully over the weekend I can do the the next part of the process and uh, and we'll see how that goes but yeah it's really cool
2: I think Brenda Galaagher showed us some very posh Icelandic uh, uh, fish leathers uh, and she, uh, she used them in her projects
1: did she did she buy it or did she tan it herself
0: she, she bought them. no, no yeah. she bought them yeah. yeah. <laughs>
1: she cheated. I I have to talk to her.
0: (laughs) Thank you. Thank you very much, uh, Lucia for uh, talking to us and uh, for spending uh, some time with us and answering questions, showing all these uh, uh, projects. Uh, This was uh, really interesting and, uh, well, educational. Uh, many thanks to our viewers and uh, uh, supporters, and special thanks to our uh, patrons on Patreon. Uh, uh, your pledges allow us to uh, cover the, the expenses on editing of this uh, podcast, which, uh, well, we uh, cherish uh, your help quite a lot. Uh, thank you very much for, for doing that. If any anyone of our viewers would like to join the crowd on Patreon, please uh, check the link down below in the description of this video. Uh, pledges start with only one dollar, one year or uh, one pound per month, depending on your country. Uh, so for 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 some people, it's uh, uh, not so much uh, and uh, it will help us a lot with our new ideas and your projects and bringing uh, French-speaking uh, cohorts to the project and maybe spanish-speaking cohorts in the future. Um, thank you, everyone. Thanks You're for welcome. watching.
1: I'll volunteer for the Spanish-speaking co-host if you ever need someone to help you with that.
0: Yeah, we have a volunteer. <laughs> okay. Uh, thanks again, and uh, see you.
1: Telling me this was awesome.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. See everybody next time.
1: Bye. See you. Thanks bye, again. Bye, bye. bye. Yeah.